Trigger warning. This podcast may contain themes of suicide, violence, and drug use. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to Tia and Rio Attempt to Save Themselves and the World. Episode 6, The Argument. Previously on Tia and Rio Attempt to Save Themselves and the World. A debt collector wreaks havoc in Tia's life, threatening her home and causing her financial stress. It is only through a library movie showing of Real Genius, where she meets Dr. Matt Chen and discovers that there is, in fact, something strange going on in her hometown of Erie. Unbeknownst to Tia and Kiki, they were both being watched in the library by a young woman. Meanwhile, the same debt collector causes a lot of grief for Hugh and the store, until Rio confronts the debt collector, exposing she can see him for who he truly is. When she goes to reveal the good news that Hugh can stop worrying about any financial issues with the store, she sees Hugh as a monster, prompting her to run away. Earlier Wednesday evening, Tia and Kiki had walked back to Tia's house to grab Mrs. Johnson's car before the movie showing. Is there a reason we don't use this thing more often? Kiki wanted to know, still slightly struggling to catch her breath from all the walking she's had to do in the last 48 hours. Everything with a car costs money. Gas, especially now, insurance, all that bullshit. I've always walked to the library unless it's terrible out, which is way more than you think. (laughs) Apparently it's been a nice summer so far, Kiki had jabbed back. But Wednesday night, the short drive home from the library back to Tia's house has Tia talking a mile a minute. She can't stop going over everything Dr. Chen, or rather Matt, had said to her. Thank God I'm not the only one who realizes something strange is going on. I knew I wasn't actually seeing dead people. That's not even possible. Unless whatever's happening to Aerie is causing such a warped reality, maybe that's why everyone everywhere has been acting so strange. I knew the pandemic played a huge role, but now this? Matt's findings? What a game changer. Tia thinks to herself as she carries on a conversation with a tired-looking Kiki. And that Matt guy, he was awesome, wasn't he? Kiki gives a faint nod. Yeah, he was something. You two seem to get along great, but I'd be careful. He's a lot older than you, and he probably wants more than you're willing to give. Kiki responds cautiously. What? Why? Because he offered me a job? Yeah, at his house. That's fucking shady if you ask me. We already had one creepy-ass dude stop by today, and now you want to go work for some other guy you don't know? Kiki interrogates. Now, Kiki, I know you're just being protective, but the library wouldn't have a Q&A with a nobody. He's a former Yale professor. He's got a lot of credibility. Or he lied about it and is using the former professor thing as a way to get girls. Tia quickly glances over at Kiki before focusing on the road. Within a few seconds, Tia turns the car into her home's driveway. She keeps the car running as she turns to face her friend. I think you're reading way too much into this. Do you know how incredible it would be for me to finally work in a lab? A real lab. And his discoveries? I have to know more. I can't let this go. You need to have more faith in me. I'll be careful. Kiki sighs as she continues to stare straight ahead, purposefully not making eye contact with Tia. T, I'm just saying if something seems too good to be true. Kiki lets her voice trail off, not bothering to finish her sentence. Tia gets out of the car and Kiki slowly follows. Once she locks the car, the two head inside, both getting increasingly angrier at one another. T 
Tia makes sure that every single lock on the door is properly fastened and secure before plopping down on the opposite end of the couch from Kiki. Look, Kiki, I appreciate you looking out for me. You always have, and I'll always be grateful. But Kiki, you heard what the debt collector said. If I don't make these mortgage payments, we're not going to have a place to live, and I can't let them take her home, our home. I need the money, and I'm calling that Matt guy tomorrow. Kiki folds her arms across her chest, rolls her eyes, then says, Fine, but I want his address, and as long as you promise to share your location with me on your phone, then I'll stop worrying and let you do you. Deal? Tia does her best to hide the smile she feels her face forming. Deal. It's not until Rio arrives home when she finally catches her breath. Anita! Anita! Rio calls out in between heavy gasps. Rio takes the 10-second tour of the trailer and discovers Anita must still be at work. Rio steadies herself onto the couch and tries to clear her mind. Okay, so the debt collector was a demon. That must mean he is evil, and he probably did some kind of trick on Hugh, which is why Hugh ended up looking like a monster. Hugh's not a monster. No way. I mean, I've liked some really bad guys before, but Hugh? No, he's... Rio's mind wanders, her thoughts jumping around from explanations to different scenarios. What if I really am crazy, and everything I keep seeing is in my head? But then, the note on my poster. Hugh saw it too, so it must be real. Rio feels around for her phone, but realizes she must have left it at the store when she raced out of there. Damn it, I'm really spiraling here. Rio gets up and goes to the kitchen to gulp down a large glass of water. As she's about to set the glass down on the counter, a knock on the door causes her to jump. Rio accidentally drops the glass and it shatters all over the kitchen floor. Oh, fuck! Rose, is everything okay? Hugh asks on the other side of the door. Rio inhales deeply, trying to remain cool. Uh-huh, y yeah Rio replies, tiptoeing around the broken glass to get to the door. No matter how he looks, just act natural. Rio tells herself before opening the door. She immediately lets out a sigh of relief when Hugh looks exactly like Hugh. Well, perhaps a tad more frustrated or confused than usual, but it was Hugh all right. Hey, Rio says, extending the door and letting Hugh in. Don't walk in the kitchen. I had a bit of a mishap. You've been having a lot of those lately, Hugh jokes, but neither of them laugh knowing he's not wrong. Yeah, about that. I'm really sorry for running off like I did. You seem scared of me. Look, I think we should talk, Hugh says, staring straight down at the floor. Rio internally gulps, but responds with an, Okay, let me clean this glass up first, though. I'm worried I'll forget her if Anita comes home. Rio doesn't finish her thought as she sweeps the broken glass up with a broom and dustpan. She tells Hugh to make himself comfortable, and he sits down on the couch. Rio can tell he's on edge, so she moves at a brisk pace, only taking a few minutes to clean up the floor. Can I get you anything? Hugh shakes his head. Reluctantly, Rio joins him on the couch, and judging by the look in his eye, she can tell whatever he has to say isn't good news. Hugh starts fidgeting with the fancy-looking watch he always wears as he avoids eye contact with Rio. Rose, 
I think that maybe moving forward, we should keep our relationship professional. I'm 16 years your senior, and I think you'd be happier with someone closer to your age. Ryo can feel her chest tighten, her heart instantly aching. God, this hurts. Oh, God, this hurts. This really, really hurts, Ryo thinks, her body making the pain feel as real as possible. She wants to cry. She can feel herself getting emotional, but she fights it. She gets off the couch to be right in front of Hugh. She thinks about everything that's happened just in the past couple of days and decides she can't cry over this. Not now. If anything, now is the time for anger. She feels hurt, but also betrayed. You know, the age difference didn't seem to bother you this morning. Or every time I've kissed you, Rio replies, folding her arms. She wants him to look at her. She wants to know and understand why he's doing this. Why he's doing this now. Hugh, I know I haven't been myself these past couple of days, and I'm sorry for that. But my feelings for you, they've been going on for a long time. I wish I would have said something sooner. And I'm sorry if I've been making your life more difficult. I don't want me to be anything other than good for you. Hugh shakes his head, still refusing to look Rio in the eyes. I know. This isn't your fault, Rose. I... I'm not good for you. You deserve someone better than me. But I don't want someone else, Hugh. I want you. I really, really like you. Well, you need to stop liking me, Hugh demands. No. Rose, don't make this any more difficult. Then look at me! If you don't want to be with me, then I want you to look me in the eyes and tell me that you don't have feelings for me. Rio is only inches away from Hugh. The second Hugh glances up at Rio, Hugh's features diminish right before Rio's eyes. His normally bright blue eyes appear red, his teeth turning canine, sharp and threatening. Rio takes a step back, shaking her head. What's happening? There is no response. The ghoulish version of Hugh sits in silence, staring at his feet. Rio takes a deep breath. Hugh? The two make eye contact again. His red irises may be scary, but Rio can clearly see an overwhelming sadness in them. Rio carefully moves forward so she's right in front of Hugh again. She's studying him, trying to understand how or why Hugh can go from looking like Hugh to looking like some sort of odd creature. Hugh? Ouch! What the hell? Hugh cries out, holding the side of his face. His teeth no longer appear sharp, and his eyes are back to being their normal, dreamy blue. It worked, Rio mutters to herself, then says in a much louder voice, I'm sorry, I just, I got pissed and wanted to slap the bullshit out of you. That's all it was, no more, no less. We cool? No, no we're not cool. You hit me. You can't just go around hitting people. Rio squints, her eyes waiting for Hugh to turn back into the monster or whatever he may be, but he remains Hugh. Well, you should have thought about that before you came here with all this bullshit. So tell me, do you really not like me? I guess there's nothing here between us? This whole week has just been a fugue state or something? Angrily, Hugh replies, You know damn well I care about you. Of course this week meant something. I just, I'm... The second he says, I'm... His eyes start glowing red again. Rio lets out a quick, <gasps> before slapping him again. His blue eyes return. 
Both Hugh and Rio say, What the fuck? In unison, the silence following so distinct you could cut it with a knife. After several minutes of a stare-down, Rio finally states, I regret nothing. Hugh and Rio lunge at each other, grabbing on for dear life. They immediately go in for a kiss, and their kisses are hot and heavy. They bump into the TV, having to stop before it teeters over. They don't waste a second to laugh at their clumsiness. They move together towards the couch, falling down as one intertwined being, all clothes still on. Just as they're about to start taking their clothes off, the front door opens and Anita comes in. Oh, oh my, I'm sorry. Anita says before closing the door and stepping back outside. For the first time in several minutes, Hugh and Rio both let out some air. Hold on. Rio tells Hugh before she staggers off the couch and pokes out the front door. Hi, Anita. I'm sorry you had to see that. Anita laughs. It's no big deal. We'll just need to make a sign for the door. She teases. She continues to her car. You need more time alone? Um, may maybe just a few minutes. I, I, I think we'd better cool it for tonight. It's been a strange week. <laughs> you can say that again, Anita replies before getting into her car and turning the radio back on. Rio can hear the faint sounds of disco music playing, which causes her to be all smiles before she turns around and shuts the front door behind her. Hugh stands up, his face a faint pink. Dinner at my place? Tomorrow after work? Hugh asks. It's a date, Rio replies. Hugh and Rio exchange a hug, followed by another long and passionate kiss. While he's still holding on to her, Hugh softly says, I'm, I'm sorry for earlier. I don't mean to be so wishy-washy. Rio gives Hugh a quick peck on his cheek, before replying with a grin. It's okay. For the record, I'm not sorry for slapping you, so I think we're even. Hugh laughs, holding Rio in his arms for another minute before heading out. As soon as Rio hears him start up his car, Anita barges in. You two seem to be moving things along. It looks serious. Anita remarks in a teasing tone of voice. Can you believe that motherfucker came here to end things with me? Anita gasps. <gasps> no. Yeah, but I set him straight. It's weird. It's like he's got a Jekyll and Hyde thing going on or something. I don't know how else to explain it. Hmm. You have to be careful if he's got two sides. If one is very bad, he could hurt you. Then I'd have to get involved and probably go to jail. The two women laugh as Rio catches Anita up with some of her current relationship drama. Rio chooses her words as wisely as she can in order to not get Anita involved in whatever is going on with all these demonic-looking people. Or scary priests. Or 80s-fueled fantasy dreams turned hellscape nightmares. Thursday is a standardly routine day for Tia. She gets up, goes to work for the day, arrives home early evening, finds Kiki half asleep on the couch. The two spend hours watching movies and binge-watching shows. Anything for Tia and Kiki to keep their minds off of the looming grief that they can both feel but refuse to face up to. They are not ready for it. Before bed, Kiki reminds Tia of her promise for a mall outing, and Tia laughs. <laughs> I didn't forget. Tia tries to feel good about her day off tomorrow, but the threat of losing her home keeps her up. That is, until she remembers she has Matt Chen's card in her purse. 
Friday morning brings a sense of newfound hope for our two protagonists. Rio can't stop thinking about her dinner date with Hugh tonight. And meanwhile, Tia is quiet as she makes her way downstairs to whip up a quick breakfast. As her toast pops out of her broken toaster, she lightly butters the piece of toast that remained bread, while heavily buttering the charred piece of toast that makes a loud crunch as she bites down, the butter dripping off slightly onto her chin. She takes a napkin and clears her face before sitting down at the kitchen table. She notices her purse on the seat next to her and fumbles around with the hand not currently holding her toast. Tia continues to dig around until she feels the business card in her hand. She flips it onto the table and stares at the name and information on it while munching away at her two very different pieces of toast. After completing her breakfast with a tall glass of raspberry-flavored water, Tia carefully gets out her phone and types in Matt's number. She hesitates, looking up as if she could see whether Kiki is awake or not. She sighs before hitting the call button, her body curling up as her nerves get the best of her. Two rings later, Matt's bubbly voice answers. Hello, this is Matt here. Matt, hi. It's... I'm Tia, uh, the woman you met Wednesday night at the Blasco Library. I don't know if... Tia, yes, of course. His cheery voice sounding even cheerier as he continues. I never forget a great conversation, he replies before asking, Have you given any more thought to being my lab assistant? Yes, uh, that's actually why I'm calling. My current job, well, it's pretty... Unsatisfying? Matt questions, filling the space when Tia gets quiet with his best guess. Unsatisfying, yeah, that's a good word for it. I was going to say something like stupid or boring. It's just the way everything's going lately. I kind of feel like I can't afford to be picky. Matt gives a polite chuckle before replying. <laughs> I completely understand. I make good money and even I'm struggling to keep up. But I'm doing all right, all things considered, and could still use a lab assistant. I can offer you $30 an hour to start, if that sounds reasonable to you. Tia lets out a surprise, What? That gets caught in her throat, causing her to cough and choke. What? <coughs> Are you okay? Is that price insulting? Matt asks, genuinely concerned. Tia takes a quick sip of her water before responding. <clears throat> God, no. That price sounds unbelievably good. Matt lets out a, oh, oh, thank goodness. My wife tells me all the time I'm out of touch. I mean, I try to stay up to date with everything, but I suppose I live in my own chemical-based world. <laughs> he explains with a hearty laugh. Tia laughs in kind, unsure of what to say next. <laughs> uh... Well, I don't want to take up much more of your time without compensating you, of course. Uh, when can you start? Uh, I have off on Tuesday. Would that work? Tuesday sounds perfect. I'll text you the address. I'm in the northwest part of Harbor Creek, if you're familiar with that area. I don't know it super well, but it's not too far from me. Great! I look forward to seeing you Tuesday, say, around 9 a.m.? Sounds good to me, Tia replies, before they both say their farewells. As soon as Tia's off the phone, an angry-looking Kiki storms into the kitchen, glaring at Tia. T. Are you out of your fucking mind? He's probably a serial killer! Kiki states in a huff, her eyes and nostrils flaring. Good morning to you, too. Tia picks up her empty plate and takes it over to the kitchen sink. As she runs the tap for a few seconds to clear the crumbs, Kiki slams her hand down on the counter, causing Tia to jump. Oh my god, what's your problem? Tia fires back, 
composing herself as she turns the water off and glares right back at Kiki. I don't like this guy, and I don't like this situation. You're just so quick to put yourself in danger, and, and it pisses me off. I always have to be the one to save you. Save me? Save me from what? God, where do I start? How about from yourself? From the bullies at school? From all the neighbors that laugh at you and think you're a joke or that you act like a white girl? T, you need to wake up and live in reality. Tia balls her hands into fists. She can't remember the last time anyone has ever hit a nerve like Kiki is doing at this very moment. She feels enraged. I need to wake up and live in reality? You are telling me that I need to wake up and live in reality. Hmm. Tia clenches her teeth as she slowly inches closer to Kiki. Surprised, Kiki backs up, but has to stop when her back bumps the refrigerator. Yeah, Kiki says meekly, trying to hide the fear sweeping over her. <laughs> That's hilarious coming from you. What do you even do all day? Sleep? You don't work, so it's not like you're contributing to the reality that is this house. The bills, the utilities, I have to keep up with. No, but you're right. I need to wake up. And you want to know what I would find? My so-called best friend living in my house rent-free and having the fucking nerve to say shit to me about taking a second job that might actually help both of us out. I already lost my mom, so should I just lose the house too? Tears escape from Kiki's eyes as she shakes her head. T, this isn't like you. How the fuck would you know what I'm like? You're too busy avoiding reality by sleeping it all away. How dare you come at me? How dare? As Tia's voice cracks in fury, the faucet on the kitchen sink bursts, shooting water everywhere. This frightens both women who remain still for a few moments. Tia takes a few quick breaths while Kiki lets out a long, heavy sigh she's been holding in. Tia hurries over to the faucet, opening the cabinet below the sink and diving in, shutting the water off. Her clothing soaked, she lets out a defeated cry before looking up at her best friend. I'm sorry. I think I'm just... This is also overwhelming. Tia says, holding her hands up before burying her head into her sopping wet palms. Kiki carefully moves forward and kneels down next to Tia before the two besties embrace. I don't want to lose the house. There's so much of her still here. Kiki's nodding. I know. And I'm sorry, too. You know I don't mean all that shit, right? I'm just glad you're here with me, and I'm glad I'm not alone. Tia exclaims through her tears. Me too, T. Believe me. Me too. Rio is all smiles when she greets Anita in the kitchen Friday morning. It's so good to see you smile, my Rio. Tell me, what's going on? Hugh and I have a date tonight. He invited me over to his place for dinner, and Anita, I gotta tell ya, I've never felt so strongly about anyone before. He's just... It's like... It's love, Anita finishes for her. My dear, you are in love. It's a wonderful feeling, yes? Most of the time. Sometimes it gets me so worked up, I feel like the world is ending or something. Hmm, that sounds about right. Both women giggle. I'm gonna go get ready for work. We're having our date right after we close, so 
I guess I better look good going in today, Rio explains with a nervous grin. Anita moves around the small table to embrace Rio. They hug before Anita plants a big kiss on Rio's forehead. You're going to have an incredible time. If Tony and I had even half the passion I saw between the two of you, we probably would have worked out a lot better. I'm really sorry things didn't work out. You need to be with someone who treats you like the queen that you are, Rio exclaims. Anita and Rio exchange another quick laugh before Rio takes two steps to get back into her room. Anita takes three steps, peering at Rio in the doorway. Would you be mad if I told you Tony is coming over tonight? He wants to talk. He's been sending me flowers every day at work and keeps messaging me about how much he loves me. <sighs> I like to believe people can change. He's definitely trying. Do you want to see him tonight? You know, I think I do. Then you should. Anita, I don't think he's the worst or anything. Granted, I'm definitely not his biggest fan. But as long as he treats you right, then that's really all that matters. He has to treat you right, too. One negative word about you, he's gone! Anita exclaims dramatically, her arms shooting up in the air as if she's directing traffic, which makes them both chuckle. Hey, you know what? I love that we both have dates tonight. It's the Friday we need to put an end to this hell-ish week. It's been. <laughs> right? Exactamente. Friday afternoon, the Church of Paul sits still, as it usually does, with most passers-by walking or driving along, the building not worth a second glance. However, inside, things are heating up. A very angry Nathaniel stomps up and down the center aisle of the church, only looking up occasionally to glare at Patrick Warden. So you're telling me that one of the women can see that you're a demon? Why am I just now hearing about this if it happened yesterday? Nathaniel screams, the ground shaking both of them. The giant crucifix front and center above the altar tips slightly, no longer standing upright. Nathaniel turns into a puff of smoke before appearing right in front of Mr. Warden's face, his tiny body standing on the top of the pew so the two are as close to making direct eye contact as possible. His light brown eyes turn black as fire erupts around him, causing Mr. Warden to jump, where he then fumbles and falls back onto the pew behind him. Ouch! Get up, you fool! Do you have any idea what this means? These women are already coming into their power! It doesn't make any sense. They weren't even with us below for more than a couple of hours. I don't understand how this is possible. Nathaniel starts to calm down as he openly has a conversation with himself. Mr. Warden pipes up, but Nathaniel instantly shhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhhh
so perhaps now is the time to let them. These women won't know how to control or keep their powers in check. They'll slit their own throats. They'll want nothing more than a quick and merciful death, Nathaniel states before letting out a diabolical laugh. <laughs> Mr. Warden forces a chuckle, <laughs> making Nathaniel laugh harder. <laughs> Enough! Nathaniel yells, startling Mr. Warden yet again. We have work to do. I must speak with my puppet, and you must put that cross back as it was. <laughs> but that'll burn me. And I'll do far worse than burn you if you don't do as I say. Your entrails would make a great find for one or both of the women. Perhaps wrapped up in a gift box with a bow. What do you think? <clears throat> I... I think I'll fix the cross. Make the place look good as new. Yes. We can't let these morons figure us out. Let them think they're doing good for the world. Although... We know Father is destined to spend eternity with us anyway. It's amusing to watch him squirm, as if anything he does now can change his fate. <laughs> Nathaniel laughs once more before disappearing. Mr. Warden hesitantly makes his way towards the altar, his eyes beginning to burn. Black ooze pusses out of his eyes and ears, his mouth foaming. The second he touches the giant cross, there is a sizzling sound akin to food on an overheated grill. Ouch! Mr. Warden's Ouch! arms and half of his face melt off, his pearly white teeth clearly visible as he no longer has a chin. Oh, uh, I should have stayed working for the IRS, he mutters before slowly vanishing out of sight. The Tia and Rio Show is created, written, and produced by Callie Overlander. Tia is performed by Julie McCormick. Rio and all other voices that are not Tia are performed by Callie Overlander. Sound design, editing, and music are by Eric Brown. My writing continuity checkers and my biggest cheerleaders are Jules Johnson and Hilary Roback. And if you've made it this far, please remember, even in the darkest times, there is always hope. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.